0: Hi, I'm Shel Turingen, born and raised in Scarborough, Ontario. I am a filmmaker and video journalist hustling in Toronto, Ontario.
1: And I'm Jesse, born in Manila, Philippines, raised in Toronto, Canada, and schooled all over southwestern Ontario. You're listening to the Halo Halo podcast, a delicious mix of pop culture and the Filipino Canadian life. Before we start our podcast, we'd like to acknowledge the lands we're podcasting on. We're podcasting from the traditional lands of the Huron-Wendat, the Seneca, and most recently, the Mississaugas of the Credit River. Chell, you're in studio with I us today. I am in studio, Kuya. Oh my gosh, I can't wait. You're the perfect co-host for today. <laughs> Siggy is on location for our listeners out there. While he's on location, we have the benefit of Chell, telling us more about their documentary small town pride mm-hmm. which is so fitting because today or this month is travel month for the hollow hollow podcast and we were thinking to ourselves where are some of the most favorite places to travel to and of course small towns is like a little favorite of mine and so i'm mine glad as that, well yes so i can't wait for us to talk more about that but before we do that let's just kind of catch up what have you been up to pop culture wise
0: Kuya, I'm obsessed tell me with RuPaul's Drag Race <gasps> all, all Stars, Stars season seven!
1: oh my gosh the game <laughs> mechanic let's just kind of talk <laughs> about this for a second and now you're probably all caught up but I'm like just past fairy tale court okay, okay, and so, yes, yes. so I'm a little bit behind but isn't it great that no one's being eliminated yes, yes because
0: you get to see your favorites like the legends yes like show all of their drag yes right like they spend a lot of time and money and effort prepping all of these looks and like when they get eliminated you never get to see any of that like I love the new game mechanic that keeps everybody in and then you get to see everybody's work
1: and I also think it actually reduces the anxiety a little bit for them and allows them to truly perform because then it's not just kind of okay I gotta perform I gotta make sure that I'm strategic I don't want to be eliminated I gotta sometimes there's a lot of pressure I mean I get it in the regular franchise you need to kind of do that because yes. the pressure is on but
0: we're playing with legends and we just want to see them enjoy themselves yes. Don't, do we not I think so, yeah. Yeah.
1: Who are you rooting for?
0: Oh, I am Team Raja Gemini, <gasps> Kuya. Really? Oh, of oh my God. Tell me more. Tell me more. Well, season three winner. Yes. Did you know that Raja is still the only Asian crowned queen? Yes, of I drag did know race. that. And I
1: do think that <clears throat> Manila Lazan has <laughs> <been> <laughs> cheated out of a crown, but that's a different story and a half. It's true. They're the only Asian dry queen. Winner, winner, of, so of far, which yeah. I think
0: is season three. There, I think we're the normal seasons at up to fourteen now. That was kind of shocking to I, I realize.
1: Know. And it's like I wanted to see Juju be win All Star versus the world, but yes. she,
0: she wasn't performing.
1: Unfortunately, did you see that? I, I watched that
0: one as well. Yes.
1: Yeah, she wasn't really performing. I was like,
0: "What are you doing?" <laughs> like, did
1: you like have a baggage allowance when traveling to the United Kingdom, or what? She like, called
0: or? it in a little bit, a little bit, yeah. right?
1: And so, tell me more about your thoughts about this season of All Stars.
0: Well, if I can gush about Raja a little bit. Yeah. Like, I just... I love that she's educating the children. I know! Oh, auntie, right? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the Snatch Game with uh, Madame and... What was the other one? Genius. Deanna Freeland. Yes. It's just like, these were references that the young kids just have no idea about. I barely know about them, Kuya, but I did know Deanna Freeland when she did that one. And it's just so nice to... Like, I don't think the children understand yes. like how she blew that challenge out of the water mm. because the reference was so specific. Like it was point.
1: So- and yet part of queer history. Yes. right. She's
0: really funny.
1: Oh my God. Totally funny. My favorite moment so far has been when she was like saying, usually when I'm designing at home, I'm luxuriating with a glass of wine yes. and not <laughs> yeah. under all this pressure. <laughs> and I was just like, I had to pause and laugh because it was just like, this is just hilarious hilarious oh my god i'm so glad let me tell you who i'm rooting for it is jinx monsoon and i know that jinx is kind of getting a villain edit in some ways but i saw jinx live with bendela for a holiday show yes and clever just clever she's on point. She's just clever. She's She just kind of gets in there. She's very quick.
0: Like Oh, my God. Yeah.
1: She's super quick. And I yeah. just respect that. I just totally respect that. And so I'll be happy with whoever they end up choosing or however RuPaul ends up choosing yes. and stuff like that. Fantastic
0: so. queens all around. But I am Team Raja. I'm voting for Raja. I hope that she wins. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Yeah, well, and I think that this changes the game. I think that this will actually get a lot more season winners to actually participate mm-hmm. so seeing how they've actually played this game if they were to do another all winners cast yes again for all stars yes. is there a particular drag queen that you would want to see
0: well my be all and all favorite drag queen of all time is Trixie Mattel
1: <gasps> oh my gosh yes 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 and has a beauty empire to boot and are we going to go visit their motel
0: in Palm's brains. Yeah. <laughs> I hope so. Oh, my gosh. I want room seven
1: of that motel.
0: She's just a mogul, queen. She has her own makeup company, yes. Trixie Cosmetics. Right. She has Trixie Motel, which is on Discovery Plus, yes. where she renovated this motel That's right. with her partner, yes. who is also a producer. Right. And they just renovated this hotel. She does music. She yes. has a new album dropped out, I think, last month, Blonde and... Pink or something pink like and that. blonde yeah. Something like yeah. that Or her third album Right She's stand on a stand-up up tour yep. With her creative partner Katya. Mm-hmm. Me and my partner Carly Are going to see them <gasps> In Kitchener Oh fun 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 Because the Toronto tickets Only recently got dropped And she got them for tickets For me for Christmas Oh and so, like, nice She learned how to DJ Over the pandemic Yes yes um, she, Her YouTube channel is hilarious I don't know if you watch it Kuya, But yeah. she just does a range of things She has this series Where she cooks With different Easy Bake Ovens <laughs> Yes <laughs> she also has a mini series where she rates and reviews her Barbie collection yeah, yeah, by yeah. decade. She's just oh. like, her empire is so diverse, and her come up story is amazing. amazing.
1: It's truly amazing. And then on top of it all, she deserves all the success that she's receiving right now. She's like number three. I think, in terms of, like, top earners, or if not number two or something like that. Like, number one would be RuPaul. But she's up there. And she's really turned this platform into something amazing in a lot of ways. Yeah, I love Trixie.
0: And she's still... I wouldn't say humble Because that's not her brand No 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 But still amazed By where she's landed In yeah. life
1: Yeah 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 um, She's
0: doing a lot of press Right now for Trixie Motel And so it's It's really fun to see her On mainstream yeah. Outlets like Vice Yeah Just did a piece with her <laughs> um, She did the Of all va- places She did the lie detector test For Vanity Fair <gasps> Which was oh, so fun Oh my gosh
1: Oh I didn't check that one out I'm gonna have to do that next Yeah and
0: just so funny And like I love her I would love to see her do Like an all winners season Oh
1: Oh, it'd be so fun to see Trixie and stuff like that. Who would you want to see? I think I would want to see Bianca Del Rio, actually. Season six winner. Yes. Yeah. Like just snappy and (laughs) also quick, just like Jinx Monsoon, a comedy queen. It'll be interesting because on her season has never lip synced. At all. That's right. that's her claim to fame in some ways in terms of winning her season. And so it would be interesting to be on an all winners, all star, where you're in the top two. You have have to to lip sync. Yes. So it's like, ooh, will she rise to the challenge? And it's more about kind of like, will she rise to the challenge or how will she Make it comedic in a lot of ways. Make it her own. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Because she's not going to do death drops. She's not going to do. I mean, like Trixie wouldn't be doing death drops, but she would make it her own too. Yes, as well. So that probably who I'd like to see kind of be invited to an all star all winners. There was some controversy. There were people on the Twitter sphere (laughs) were saying like, "Girl, why aren't you on there?" and stuff like that. And she's like, "I'm working." Yeah, she's
0: too busy. She's too busy. (laughs) She was on a tour,
1: unsanitized tour, which I had recently seen with Michael and stuff like that, which was fantastic, and we saw her in a meet and greet actually. Oh, okay. And I have to tell you, she took the time to, like, talk to Michael and myself, and their assistant was like, do you each want photos on each of your cameras, or do you want them both, and do you want one each, and then together, and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. I'm like, can we have it that all? And they're like, yep, not a problem, and we thought we were going to be told, only, only one, one can yes. camera, this is how many, you get... Four shots, that's it. Four glamour shots with Bianca and go, not rushed. And nice. she was just hilarious. She was like, are you cunts ready for the show tonight? It's because <laughs> it's going to be really nasty. And to our listeners out there, it's actually a term of endearment that's really meant nicely. Yes, if, if, yes. You, if you haven't watched RuPaul's Drag Race, which stands for Charisma, Uniqueness, Nerve, and Talent. Well, that's a great pop culture catch-up. I, correspondingly, have been... Almost caught up on Legendary season three.
0: Oh, queer. I yes. love Legendary. Oh,
1: my gosh. Right. I don't know if you know this, but I was very small part of the voguing scene when I was 18, <laughs> 18, 19, and snuck into the gay clubs. Right. <laughs> and so, so, and there was this place called Bar Isabella, and that's kind of like where this all kind of brought me to. And it was just fun to kind of see all the voguing. And when they would say classic voguing, yes, it's so funny because it's like that's the voguing I remember. Yes. Today's voguing seems like, oh, it's very fluid lines. Like, I don't know how I feel about that. Mm-hmm. But Michael is just loving it. For me, watching and me kicking and gagging over Legendary is one thing. But it's another if you can get Michael to love something like that. <laughs> and he's just been loving it. So just watching him love it. And then the best part is, is, is that we constantly play and pause kind of like, what do you think the score is? And yes. I'll, say, I'll say my scores. And I just have to brag a little bit my scores match up with Laomi's all the time. And then Michael will say, why do you think that? And I'll say, oh, I think the lines weren't clean. They were messy. It wasn't gritty enough, all of this stuff. And he's like, what is gritty? And it's like, oh, it's when they say voguing and ballroom. That's really what they mean. And then he's learning. It's like, you know, learning how to judge figure skating or something like that, right? The artistic merit to all of it and that athleticism that's required. But yeah, we've just totally been enjoying season three. And we're getting to the finale of that. So that's what I've been kind of.
0: I don't want to ruin it for you. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: I will say this though, in terms of voguing, I talked about this with Siggy too, is is that I had seen a bit of the house of Miyake Mugler, who were hosting at Nathan Phillips squares, a Vogue ball.
0: For pride. For pride. I was at that. Were you? I was. I was there. I was there I, for the first half. I was there too for the first little bit. Oh my god.
1: And then I had to leave because like people were tall. Like when we got <laughs> to the sex toys, like that's kind of where well, I Oh,
0: we am. were I think we saw the first two categories. Because we had gotten there early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um we saw the first two and the, and then we had left to, oh, to head off to the village. That. But we were both there at the same time. We were well, and
1: I was like behind all these tall people. Yes And I'm sure you were the same too.
0: Yes. I just wish
1: that they had done it the other way around like had the judges at the bottom of the staircase had people kind of voguing up on top and oh, stuff and like that. Oh, then everyone
0: could have seen them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. like I get it. I mean, like
1: actual Vogue and Vogue ballroom culture is on the floor Yes, it would have been it's like at El Cavanta Rico's where everyone just surrounds the drag queen and stuff like that yep. but it was just like oh I don't have time to get there so early to then just kind of camp out in front I'm glad that you guys were able to do it and stuff like
0: that it was so fun Yeah, it was really fun to see my first exposure to Vogue Cuia, mm. would have been through you because right. as I'm sure yeah. your listeners know you are a huge Madonna fan totally
1: totally yes <laughs>
0: And obviously, Vogue came out, I guess, in 1990. 1990. I would have been 10. Yes. And you were like, well, no, this is actually what, this is where Madonna took these moves from. She took them from her dancers, and it was from the ballroom scene. Yeah, Yeah. Had no idea at the tender age of 10.
1: totally appropriated it, you know, and then took off with it and turned it into a whole craze in some ways. Mm -hmm. And then yet it still continues. Although I will say this, though, that recently, any time Vogue was played in the United Kingdom, Mm -hmm. this month of June, that just passed, Yes. They were donating all of the profits from that in terms of streaming Royalties rights, and stuff royalties, like that, Royalties, yeah. yes, all to some charitable foundation with LGBTQ emphasis. Nice. Yeah, so as much as she's appropriated, she's trying to give back. If, in, yes, yes. In, in certain ways. For me, like, it was like 1988, 89, and then Vogue came out, and then I, my had just exploded and then i probably just told you more about
0: that, <laughs> at that point when i got much older yes uh, and kind of understood that that's what madonna had done and that's what a lot of musicians do yes 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 i wanted to know more about the real ballroom scene that's right. and so like paris is burning yes quintessential is quintessential yes. uh, queer yep. film documentary yeah, yeah, you have yeah. to absolutely watch
1: yeah La- crystal LaBeija. yep you got to love her. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god well she definitely could not live in a small town in a lot of ways.
0: I don't think so. <laughs> no, no, no.
1: But I think you and I would totally live in a small town. and
0: I don't know if I'd live in one, Kuya. but I certainly love visiting them. You
1: love visiting yes. them, right? Well, perfect for this month of July, which is travel, right? Mm-hmm. And so, small towns. And you did a documentary. I did. On it, on CBC Gem right now. Yes. And also premiered at the... Hot dogs, theater, yes, Hot Docs back theater. in June
0: for Pride. Yes, how
1: amazing is that? So, tell our listeners all about your documentary.
0: So, Small Town Pride mm-hmm. is a is a documentary film where we visit three small towns across Canada, mm-hmm. and we speak to some of the LGBTQ folks in those respective communities about what it's like to live and grow up queer right. in their places, and. The kind of the through line and the anchor of the film is that each of these places are preparing for their annual pride events. Mm -hmm. And so we get to meet some of those folks and see some of the work that they're doing. We get to hear a little bit about some of the obstacles that they face. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, the payoff at the end is to see them celebrate and have their pride event and just really be proud of who they are.
1: Our listeners can't see is both of us smiling, because if you've seen <laughs> in the documentary, it is very poignant and heartfelt, their ability to be able to celebrate who they want to be or who they are in a lot of ways. Remind our listeners, what are the three small towns that you documented? Of
0: course. So we tried to get a, a wide swath of places right. across the country. My co-director, Riley Sparks, likes to say that We could have gone to a hundred small towns in the country and it still wouldn't capture, but we tried our best to get the most diverse group of places. So, We went to Annapolis Royal in Nova Scotia, which has a population of 500 people.
1: 500, amazing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And then all the way on the other end of the country, we went to Norman Wells in the Northwest Territories, and they have a population of 800 people. Mm. Then our last place was Tabor, Alberta, Mm -hmm. uh, which has a population of about 9,000 people.
1: Right. And each of these small towns faced some type of struggle or adversity. And it was interesting to, to hear them talk about how they were trying to overcome it. But for me, the common thread line was perseverance. Yes. Perseverance. Would you say that? Yeah.
0: Oh, 100%.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What I enjoyed about that was, no, no, no. Like there was a sense of being unapologetic about it. It's like, no, we have the right to be here and we have the right to celebrate pride and we have the right to live in this town. We yes. all don't need to live, go to Toronto or the next major urban center to be who we are, yeah. right? And in fact, wasn't there, there was a family that had also moved from the United States, I think. You know the two a yes small blue
0: Blu-ray and and her two kids yes
1: right you know and it was just interesting to hear them saying no this is who we are but we want to be able to celebrate also and be pr- proud of who we are at the same time and I always remind myself that pride is actually a celebration of a human rights event or a set of human rights event
0: pride is a protest Kuya it is yep. and what I
1: love about your documentary too is this is that it has more of that protest feel. Than what I would probably say, like the urban prides that I'm so used to seeing or attending, would you say?
0: There's a larger sense of urgency, for sure. Yeah. Because I think that the obstacles they face are a little more obvious. Yes. The resilience, the persistence, like all of that comes through in a much more visceral way, I think, in this film. Because of what they're facing. I think it's important to remember, Kuya, like... Oftentimes, us big city slickers, mm-hmm. we might think that, like, the people that leave small towns leave because they hate it, right? Like, because it's too small and they want to, mm. you know, they want to experience the world in a in a bigger place. And if you're queer, then yes. obviously, like, you're trying to find a place that's safe for you, right? right? But for some of these folks, they don't have the privilege to leave. You right. know, it, it takes a certain amount of privilege right. to be able to relocate yourself somewhere. Not everybody has that option. And so, of course, they're going to say, look, we can't leave. So we're going to make this place safe.
1: Yes. And demand it.
0: Yes. Yeah. I thought that
1: that, to me, that was a very clear, if I can call it thesis Mm -hmm. in your documentary, that not everybody has the entitlement or the access. It's not accessible to being able to leave. And I appreciate what you're saying, too. Not everyone that... Leaves or anyone that's leaving a small town, like when I've run into small town gays, right, living in the big city and stuff like that they'll tell me how much they miss their small town.
0: Yes, that's another point too that it was important for us to showcase the love that people have. Yeah. Right now, Queer, I'm wearing one of my Scarborough shirts. Right. I love Scarborough. Of course. That's where I grew up. That's right. It makes sense to me that other people feel that way about yeah. their hometowns. Yeah. And I think sometimes, I think in earlier narratives about like, you know, queers having to escape their small towns and go to big cities. Right. You know, sometimes that narrative is like, I hated it there. People treated me badly and I was glad to be rid of it. Right. But we really wanted to show that the folks in the film, they love mm-hmm. the places they're from. Yeah. They don't feel like they should have to leave to mm-hmm. be accepted, right? So in many ways, yes, one of the theses is like, what happens when you stay right? and try to make it work there? Yeah, yeah.
1: I got the sense, too, that it's going to eventually all work out. You know, all three places. It's like, it was interesting to kind of see the backstory or hear about the backstory of how they got to actually being able to celebrate Pride for that particular year that you had documented them. Mm-hmm. And then it was just kind of like, but there was some a sense of hopefulness, like this is going to continue and we're going to continue to this. Eventually it's going to change people's minds, just like how Pride in the big cities has eventually changed people's minds. That's what came through to me too as well. I don't know if that was intentional or not, or if that was a story that you found along the way
0: well I'm, I'm glad that you that you picked up on that kuya because i mean we do use quite a bit of archival footage throughout the film mm-hmm. i wanted to be able to put context to what you're seeing right. right and just before we enter the third act there's archival footage of toronto pride in 1985 yes yes i would have been four years old when that pride <laughs> yeah. happened and it, it's so interesting to me to see the media footage because it's like maybe a few thousand people mm-hmm. i think they're on church street yeah and it, doesn't look unlike- It looks the, the same. Yeah, it doesn't look it unlike the small the town prides that are happening now, right? Right. And so like many things in small towns, sometimes, you know, their fashion's outdated. Sometimes of they're course. listening to music from decades ago. And the same is true of their activism, right? Like right. sometimes it just comes a little bit later. So it's really interesting to see the sea change happen for them now. Yeah. And like, I wanted, I just wanted to highlight the work that they're doing because these folks to me are heroes, right? It's like,
1: frontier work. It's the way that I was kind of saying it. They're
0: really on the front line, really putting themselves out there in a very tangible way. They're, I don't want to, I don't want to say that they're endangering themselves, but they're putting themselves out there to create these safe spaces. You know, it's really easy to hide in a big city. yeah. I think one of our main characters, Zainab Tonak, says it right at the beginning of the film. Some people like the anonymity of Pride mm-hmm. because you can just disappear. That's
1: right, and you can be part of it and you can be voyeuristic and stuff like that. But m- kudos to the people that spoke to you and had celebrated Pride. because, And I recall you know, in a past life before meeting Michael Mm -hmm. and having a boyfriend out in Sarnia, Ontario, ironically enough, and helping him actually host. It's not that I did the hosting, but he was actually facilitating Sarnia's first Pride. How difficult that was. And I remember being in London Pride when there would be the straight Pride marching alongside us as we were marching. And, you know, this is like in the early 2000s -hmm. and stuff like that. And I just think to myself, yeah, like... So what if they're wearing too many rainbow colors and stuff like that? Yeah. It's what you need to do. It's how you need to make yourself visible. And I just fell in love with all of them and it reminded me, yes, the fight still keeps going on. We need to kind of keep pushing forward. And I'm glad that they're pushing forward.
0: Totally. And like, I also wanted to like uh, call attention to them to let them know that like we see the work you're doing. Yeah. And we love that and we want to support you as important well. Important right? work. Yeah. Important
1: work. Because it's no good if we're only proud in only parts of this land. Yes. I want to be able to travel anywhere in this country. 100%. And feel safe and feel accepted and be with my partner and not have people like whispering in the back saying, "Like, who are those two, right? Yes. And why, why are they acting that way or whatever the case may be? Amazing work. Now, the question I have for you was in this documentary, did you see any Filipinos in any of these small towns?
0: Now, Kuya, Mm. (laughs) this was extremely interesting to me because I wasn't expecting to find Filipinos in these places. Yes. But there were actually, in two of the three locations there were people from the Filipino diaspora.
1: <laughs> That's amazing. Tell us more, right? Because I don't know that we get to know their stories as much.
0: Totally. Yeah. So the first location that we went to as part of production was in Tabor, mm-hmm. Alberta. Right. We would have gone there in May of 2019. Right. And as we were speaking to the folks in the Tabor Equality Alliance, yeah. we just we were talking to them all throughout the week about different things, and they they had noticed that I was Filipino. And mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know if you've noticed like many Filipinos in town. Like if you go to the McDonald's or the Tim Hortons or right. whatever, they're often like the service workers. Yes. And Jace Wilson, who was one of the co-chairs of T, was like, yeah, there's a whole... Filipino community, community here. here. Yeah. And we actually pulled up like Facebook and they had like the Filipinos of Tabor like <gasps> group. And there's like hundreds of people like signed up to to this Facebook group. Wow. And they have like events and they meet and like there's a whole gang of them there.
1: There's, so they'll have their own fam jam of sorts at somebody's house, I'm sure. right? Because yes, there's sh- not a Filipino restaurant in Tabor, but there's probably... Not that Fili-
0: I, I tried to look for one, kuya. Yeah. <laughs> did not but find none one. None that you can see. <laughs> well,
1: listeners, if you know of one, tell us. Right. <laughs> so, but that's interesting like that they found themselves just kind of like invisible minorities too. You find yourself, you'll use anything to your advantage in terms of being able to find your community. In this case, it was through Facebook. That's incredible.
0: And I imagine too, Kuya, that like, it's not, there's weird pockets of like where Filipinos flourish. I understand like Winnipeg has a very big Filipino
1: population. One one in four.
0: And my guess is really one in
1: four. One in four. And so even though they don't necessarily have the highest amount of Filipinos, Mm -hmm they, in terms of population, one in four Winnipeggers are Filipino.
0: Oh my God, 25%. 25%, (laughs) which, and
1: it has to do with the fact that the healthcare workers primarily migrated there, Toronto, Vancouver, Montreal at the time. That makes sense. Yeah,
0: And so I'm wondering if the same is happening there in Tabor. Like, I didn't get to speak to any of the Filipinos, uh, that were part of that community, but I certainly saw them all over and was so heartwarming to hear that, like, that they've found community in each other that and is found each other there. Yeah. It was so, I just was, it was not a place I was expecting to see so many of them. And I'm wondering if like one family landed and then, because that's where they were, that's they where all they all descend, told, yeah.
1: you know, in some ways. And I think to myself that just economies of scale, if you're a service worker in a smaller town, mm-hmm. you probably would be able to bring your family's just because economically, you would probably be able to afford... Cost of living. Cost would be of living.
0: Easier to do in a small town, for sure. Just as
1: much as some of the small town pride people that you interviewed, as you had just said a moment ago, that they might not be able to leave because they might not have the same type of access or be able to earn much in a big city to then be able to afford the cost of a big yes, city right? yes. at, at the same time. Yeah, and I know that in terms of at least retail service jobs if there have been a lot of overseas foreign workers from the Philippines coming over specifically for some of those jobs simply because there's not enough people around. I'm sure you found that in Norman Wells. Yeah.
0: So in Norman Wells, which had the population of 800 people, there was one hotel in town. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. And so that's where we stayed. It's very popular for like hunting. And so they do get quite a bit of quote unquote tourism um, with hunters. And so there were a lot of like hunters when we were staying there. But I had noticed obviously because that's where we were staying and where we were having the majority of our meals, like in the hotel restaurant, Mm -hmm. we would see the same service staff like every day. And I became familiar with like one of the gentlemen that like cooked in the kitchen. And he obviously looked like Filipino to Mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. So I had noted that. And then like one of the first few days when we were there and we were location scouting, we were just getting our B-roll shots and stuff like that, we were driving through town. And we passed by one house mm-hmm. that had the provincial flag, the Canadian flag, mm-hmm. and then a Filipino Philippines flag. flag. And I was oh like, my gosh. I was like, what? I'm in like nowhere right now. Like this place kuya is so remote that yeah. like in the summertime you can only get in and out of town through charter planes. Yes. So it is very, very hard to get to. Right. And to be a child of Filipino immigrants, to be part of the Filipino diaspora, and to see a Philippines flag in the Northwest Territories was a trip. You
1: give me goosebumps just <laughs> telling me all of that. That is trippy. That is so amazing, though, at the same time, it's right? It's the
0: last thing you expect to see, right? And, yes. and then so when I saw this gentleman at the hotel, I was like, I was kind of, oh, I wonder if that's his house. I yes. wonder if there's more of them. Right. And of course, you know, after having had dinner there several nights, at one point, I was like, are you Filipino? And he was like, yes. I was like, I am too. And I was like, where in the Philippines is your family from? Yeah. And Kuya, you will not believe this.
1: Are they from Le Union? Like, they I,
0: are from pangasinan oh my gosh i know which is where our family what? is that from that is that's totally where our family's from Holy cannoli! So <laughs> you can't see this, but Kuya just jumped out of his chair. Holy cannoli! Because you know the Philippines is not a small country; it's no. like thousands of islands, right? right? It's like seven thousand one hundred, right? It's, it's like that joke where it's like, oh, you know, oh, do you know Joe from Canada, or do you know Mark, that gay guy, like yeah. my one gay friend? Yeah. It was like, like uh, the one Filipino in town just happens to, to be, be from Bungcina, which is the small town in the Philippines that our family is from.
1: Yeah, this region, right, in the Philippines. Now, when you told this person that our family is from Pangasinan as well, what did
0: he say? I mean, I don't, <laughs> he was kind of, I think like in general, people were just shocked to see us there at all because it's like, Oh, a film crew is in town, in like, town working yes. on a project. Right. And then, Add the layer to that, that like one of the people working on this film project is of my culture, right. which I never see around here. Yes. And then add to that layer. It's just like not only are those two things, but also like from the same town. I think he was equally as amazed and shocked and surprised and right. delighted. Yeah. Because like here we are in, you know, dense forest, like at the mountains all around in the Northwest, in the Northwest Territories. <laughs> and these two Filipinos found each other. I was so blown away, Kuya. Like, I just, it's like, what a small world. It really
1: is. That's what I, I was thinking about when you were just describing that. Like, of all places to meet up here. Yes. Right?
0: It was interesting to me, too, that, like, I met him th- through the work that he was doing through the hotel. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's fair to say that, like, one of the Philippines' biggest exports are our people. That's our right. overseas domestic foreign? workers, right? That's right. Our yeah. foreign workers. I was seeing that in full force in front Come of me. Come alive, yeah. And like, I see that all the time in Toronto, right? right. Like I see domestic workers here. There's yeah. there's always like nannies everywhere. Right. And like to see one in such a remote place in like the last place you were expecting, I was just like, wow, are people really... We really go to all lengths to... It's To true. do what we have to to support our families. It's
1: true. You know, it just kind of makes me just feel a little bit weepy, right? Like that idea... The lengths that we go to to be able to kind of support each other, yes. right? Even yeah. if it means needing to go to the far reaches of
0: you know, the world, the world, <laughs> yeah. right? In some ways, yes.
1: And, and so, well, that's incredible. And I'm just so chuffed that this person was delighted to see you and know that it's like, oh, I met someone whose family is from Mancassina, And How incredible is that, right? Right. And that probably will just stay in his mind for. Forever.
0: Possibly, yes. Yeah. And then I think maybe the next day, the dinner special was like something work related Yes. And that meal had a little bit of a Filipino touch to nice. <laughs> nice, it. Nice. When it nice, came nice. to the table.
1: Something similar occurred when my family and I went on a cruise ship and we found out that... 80% of the cruise workers were Filipino, Filipino and the head chef was Filipino. And so at some point, my father finds the head chef and says that for our last dinner, we would like want Filipino family style. And so we got <laughs> Filipino family style you on got the, the hookup.
0: Yeah. Amazing. On the Norwegian
1: cruise line, right? It was <laughs> just like. This is a bit crazy making, like we're in the middle of the seas, like the Atlantic seas here, getting a full Filipino meal being served by Filipino folk on this ship. Like it was a bit surreal in some ways. So I can imagine kind of like, where are we? yeah. And yeah. how does it all kind of come about? And I think it was interesting for them, too, to just kind of like, oh, look, like. A Filipino family, you know, can also enjoy this type of luxury. Yes. Or a Filipino professional, right, can also travel all the way to the Northwest territories and yeah. gives hope in a number of different ways.
0: 100%. I, I, I didn't really think of that that way, Kuya, but like that is absolutely, I'm, I'm glad that you pointed that out because as a working professional, right, like I really, I wear all of my identities on my sleeve right, because right. I'm proud of them and I want people to know yeah. if you're a little queer kid, if you're a little yeah. non-binary kid, if you're That's a little right. Filipino kid, yeah. I can't be in the space i'm living proof that you can
1: yes yeah that's amazing that's amazing oh my gosh well it's just so funny that you've run into filipinos on this project originally about small town pride i hope you do a similar project you know for the filipino community but tell our <laughs> listeners what's next in the pipeline Can you tell us what's next in the pipeline? I don't know
0: that I can talk about that yet.
1: Okay, well then you won't tell us what's next in the pipeline. There are
0: big, I'm making big moves. There's big exciting things happening uh, over here. I definitely will have the opportunity to continue telling the stories of amazing Canadians all across the country through my unique lens. As a queer person, as a non-binary person, and as a person who is Filipino, Canadian. So I'm... Keep your more eyes on me on the socials. More big things to come. More big things to come. More more stories. To okay, tell. well, tell
1: our listeners what your socials are, and then I need you to take us out. But tell us, tell our listeners what your socials are.
0: Absolutely. If you'd like to check out some of what I'm doing, you can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at Shell Turingen. And one more time, I will plug: Small Town Pride is available for free to watch all across Canada on CBC Gem.
1: Watch it; you won't regret it. <laughs> okay, well take us out then
0: thank you for having me on the podcast kuya you can catch jazzy and siggy through email at hollowhollowculture at gmail.com you can also catch them on their socials at hollow hollow pop on instagram hollowhollowpopculture. and then of course you can listen to the wonderful hollow, hollow pop culture podcast anywhere podcasts are listened to
1: Fantastic. Our musical theme is by Ringen who is in studio today. We receive editorial feedback from Mary Beth Badian, and we'll see all of you guys again real soon.
0: Goodbye.